mission statement is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So everything that we do is to drive us into that place of worship. And one of our mottos is life-giving, life-changing, life relationships. And this is so important for us because as we allow God to infuse our life, He begins to give us life. He begins to change our life. He builds that relationship with us and Him, and consequently that impacts all of our other relationships. So when we begin to walk in the fullness of the abundant life that Christ came to give, our lives are transformed. Our relationships are enriched. I talked about enrichment last week. Being Christmas week, this morning I'm going to teach on giving thanks for our Savior. We've been going through this series, I think this is week five in Give Thanks. And if you've missed some of these series, uh, some of these sermons in the series, I encourage you to go back and and check those out. Over the past four weeks, I guess it is, I've been, we've been looking at some of the reasons why we give thanks. And of the greatest blessings from our Heavenly Father, Jesus is the best. So if you need some reminders on things to give, thank, uh, give thanks for, go back and listen to some of those sermons. But this whole thing is about Christ. It's all about Him. Jesus, fully God and fully man. This morning, we're going to be going to Romans chapter 3 verses 19 through 28, and we'll be going to 1 Timothy. I actually uh, used that text, I think, the first week we began this series. So we'll be looking at some of those scriptures if you want to begin to to call us up on your iPhone or your pad or whatever you're using. Does anybody use a Bible anymore? Oh, oh, well, well sorry. Yeah. Or, or turn in your Bible, I guess. That's great. You know, there's something about using a Bible. I, I just kind of like it. Uh, but anyway, my first point this morning is everyone needs to be saved. Listen, I've, I've got some, some kind of bad news, but I've got some really good news too. So let's get in here. Everyone needs to be saved. And let's go to Romans 3, verses 19 through 28. Verse 19, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the, that the entire world is guilty before God. That, that's kind of bad news, man. I mean, we're all guilty before God. Let me ask you to consider a couple of things. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? What about, no? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I see a, a person saying, no, that's, that's great. I wish I could say that. But if you've gotten a speeding ticket, imagine that, uh, or you probably have seen the speed limit sign and ignored it, right? And now you're suffering the consequences of disobeying the boundaries that were set. And maybe you've tried this. Maybe you've used the excuse of, well, officer, uh, I didn't see the speed limit sign or, you know, made some other excuse. And I don't know about for you, but it doesn't work very well. Speed limit signs are non-negotiable whether you agree with it, whether you see it, whether you even like it. There are boundaries that are set that we have to follow. Let's look at Romans 3.19 again. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show them that the entire world is guilty before God. Verse 20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So, I'm going to ask you another question, and probably... The answer across the whole room here would be yes. Have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? I think we all have. And under the law, if you broke one law, you failed to keep the law. 
Too bad. The law shows us the requirements and the standard of which we are to adhere to. And so all of us have broken the law. Back to the example of the speeding ticket, what if you get pulled over and tell the officer that you had to go 15 miles an hour over the speed limit to get around the car in front of you? I mean, officer, I, I wasn't speeding the whole time. I, I just, in this one little section, or, or officer, I, I, I didn't speed the entire trip. I, I'm on a 100-mile trip, and it's just this, this little short time that I sped. I had this 100-mile trip, and I sped for one mile. 99% of the time, I was within the law. I was within the limits. Sign here, sir. What, what do they say? This is not an admission of guilt or some jargon like that. And then they say, have a nice day. And you're like, really? <laughs> so Romans 3.20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And so when we see the speed limit sign, how many of you let off the gas or put on the brake? Because it's a, it's a reminder that this is a speed limit. Or you, have you ever been driving down the road? I know you have. And you see those signs and, and there's a radar gun on there and they tell you how fast you're going. Do you automatically put your foot on the brake? I do. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably speeding. So. <laughs> but Romans 3.21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Okay, let's think about the speeding thing that, that I've been talking about here. What if your daddy was a judge? Hey, Dad, you know, look, I admit I'm guilty. I, I didn't only speed 1% of the time. I got caught speeding over a one-mile area, but really I was exceeding the, the speed limit the entire time. If your daddy was a judge, if he was a fair judge, he'd probably say, well, Son, you're guilty. Daughter, you're guilty. You deserve the full punishment because you broke the law. However, I'm going to excuse you from all the consequences for breaking the law because the penalty must be paid, but there is someone that has stepped up and has chosen to pay the entire penalty for you in full, even though you chose to break the law. They're choosing to pay the penalty for you. Romans 3.21, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. Jesus has paid the entire cost for us to be made right with him because all of us have transgressed all of us have broken the law and Jesus said I will pay the penalty for all for those who have moderately broken the law oh well you know only told a little white lie for those who have excessively broken the laws oh I've murdered I've done all these things to whom we would consider having immoral lives he paid the price Maybe you fall into that category. Maybe you said, you know, there was a time when I, I lived in a moral life. Or you may say, well, I, I've been a pretty good person. You know, I, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything. 
maybe I just told a little lie one time, but you know, basically I'm a good person. Well, if you told a lie, if you've broken the law, you've broken the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Say everyone. everyone. <clears throat> who believes no matter who we are. This is true for everyone who believes. It doesn't matter who we are. <laughs> Have you noticed how we equate who we are with what we do for a living? We have a different standard. Oh, you're a janitor. Oh, you're an attorney? Some people may put janitor and attorney in the same category. I don't know. Uh, but, oh, you're a refinery employee. Well, you know, that's okay. You're a nurse. But we, we look at people for, and sometimes we even think that our value comes from what we do, not who we are in Christ. Where do you live? Oh, you live over there? Oh, yeah. You live where? Oh, yeah, I know that place. Those are nice houses over there. Is that your car? Wow, that's a nice car. That's your car? Does that thing even run? But we, we look at the exterior. We look at things like that. Come on, you're looking at me like, I don't know what. You know you do it. We all do it. Come on. Let's have a time moment here. Transparent, authentic, and honest. I know we all do it. Come on. We have judgments about people and the way we look, the way we dress. Listen, let me be clear. If you have a nice car, you have a nice home, you have nice clothes, there's nothing wrong with that. But what has your heart? Do those things own your heart or does God own your heart? God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. God's judgment is not based on the temporal things. He looks at our heart. Romans 3.23, for everyone, say everyone, everyone, everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Now tell them you're in good company, because so am I. <laughs> all right. We have all failed to meet the standard. So my, my first point this morning is everyone needs to be saved. My second point is, we are only saved through the sacrifice of Christ. Let's read on in, in Romans 3, verse 24. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Well, I was a prostitute. It doesn't matter. I was a pimp. It doesn't matter. God's love is able to cover us his grace no matter who we are no matter what we've done you know can i be honest with you there's one sin god can you really forgive a child molester that's the most heinous terrible thing that i can think of but god's grace and love is even there for somebody that does something like that. Now, the word says that if you harm a child, it's better that a millstone be hung around your neck and you be thrown into the depths of the sea. I'm not saying that there are not consequences for sin, because there are. But God's grace and his forgiveness is there for us. I mean, I think about David. I, I think about King David, how he was a mighty man of God. The, the word says that he was a man after God's own heart. But we know, if you know the story of David, he had an affair with Bathsheba. 
He had Uriah, her husband, basically murdered, sent him into battle and said, put him in the heat of battle and then withdraw. He had him murdered. He did some terrible things. But you know what? David, I think he understood the grace and the forgiveness of God. And he was able to go to God. And if you know the story, the child that Bathsheba was pregnant with died. There were consequences for that. And I, I don't understand all that, but I know that David got up and he washed himself off. And he said, you know what? I prayed, I interceded for the life of this child. This child is dead, so I'm going to go on. And I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. So I'm not saying that there aren't consequences. But I am saying that God's love and grace is greater than our sin. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus was born to take our place, to pay the entire ransom, to pay the complete penalty for our sins. Romans 3.25, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Does this mean that everyone will be saved? We are saved when we believe and when we receive what Christ has done for us. It's, it's one thing to know about Jesus. The demons from hell know who Jesus is. But are we believing, are we receiving this free gift from God? It cost Jesus his life. So I'm not saying it was free, but it's free to us. And all we have to do is simply receive this free gift of grace. Let's look at Romans 3.25 again. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. It goes on to say in verse 25, This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Verse 26, For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. The payment for all sins was paid for by Jesus. For all of humanity, this paid ransom is sufficient for restoring everyone back into a relationship with God. For all of humanity, for everyone who will receive Christ, it's there for us. Romans 3.27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. Not any one of us can buy the salvation. You can't manipulate it. You can't be good enough to earn it. It's only by receiving through grace. It's only through believing and receiving the forgiveness for all of our sins through the fully sufficient, completed work and sacrifice of Christ. There's nothing that we can do. Man, I don't know about you, but that's good news. We cannot earn it. We just simply receive it. And I think sometimes it is so simple that people can't receive it because they're like, you know, that doesn't make sense. I have to do something. I have to be good enough. I have to... No, you have to receive it. That's all you have to do. Romans 3.28 says, So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, one of my favorite, we're saved by grace through faith when we believe, not of our works, that anyone should boast. Time and time throughout the scripture, you will see the theme of grace, where it's just God's love and grace. This is great news. We've all broken God's laws. At least one of them, come on, I know you have. I wasn't there, but I know you have. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 3.28, so we are made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. Wow, could it be any easier? I mean, really. I don't have to be bound up in religion and legalism anymore. No! I don't have to work my way into heaven. No! Jesus finished the work on the cross. I know that many of you have been walking with the Lord for a long time. But I know that we live in such a performance-based society that we get sucked back into this vortex from time to time, thinking that we have to work. And, you know, we've talked about Romans 12, 12 2. Don't conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As we come into alignment with God's word and we in invite him into our life, he begins to change the way that we think, which changes the way that we act. But it starts with giving him our heart. Remember that hymn? It was written in 1865. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sin leaves us dirty. Imagine you have a white garment and you go through a mud pit and it gets all muddy. And Jesus comes and washes all that away. So my first point this morning is everyone needs to be saved. My second point is we are only saved through the sacrifice of Christ. My third point is it's not rocket science, guys. It's really not that difficult. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 here. I urge you, first of all, Pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And I talked about this, I think, the first week. Are you praying for all people? Are you praying for your family? Are you praying for yourself? God, help me. Are you praying for your Life Fellowship family, the greatest congregation in the world? <laughs> we need to be praying for one another. Ask God to help us, to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Verse 2. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So we're to be praying for our leaders. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4. Well, let me read 3 again. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only... One God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one man. I don't know, but I would probably say that Muhammad and Buddha and those guys were probably nice people, wonderful, nice people. I don't know. You may be a wonderful, nice person who's lived a very moral life, but you are unable to save yourself. In fact, you're, you're unable to save anyone. But there is one 
who is able to save everyone, and his name is Jesus. The Bible is very clear about that. There is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, you know, being a good person, that's really relative. <laughs> I remember sitting on, on a, uh, I've sat on a few juries, and you go through the jury selection, and I think they ask some question, are you a moral person? And I'm thinking, there's probably people here that are living very immoral lifestyles. So it's all relative, right? I mean, it, it's, are you, are you a moral person? Are you a good person? Well, let's look at, when we look at the standard of God, we see that we may not be as good as we thought we were because we've broken the law. But there is one who is able to save everyone. His name is Jesus. God does not want to trick anyone. God is not trying to tuck this truth away so that it's hidden. This truth is open and available for everyone to receive. That is the reason Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to what? Obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you to the end of the age. Jesus poured into these 12 men and the whole world was changed. So Jesus comes into our life and he's saying, listen, this is salvation for you but so that you can take this to the world. This is not something that's hidden under a bushel or a bucket. God wants everyone to know. Well, let's look at the scripture again. He, 1 Timothy 2.6, He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is a message God gave to the world at just the right time. This is not something that God has hidden, and he wants it clear to everyone. The reason Jesus gave the Great Commission is so that we can receive the truth, so that we can get saved, so that we can be filled, so that we can be healed, so that we can come to that place of relationship with God where he's, he's healing our wounds, our broken lives. And the greatest gift from God is the Savior. If God gave everyone a million dollars, some people would, would need more money in six months or a year. They would go through that money. And you may have heard this saying before, but you can give a man a fish and feed him for a meal, or you can teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. See, God has not chosen to give humanity a temporary fix. He came to permanently fix our broken lives. He's given us a Savior who's able to restore and fix us. Fix our broken lives from the sin that entered into all of humanity when Adam and Eve disobeyed. When they sinned, they chose to sin, and it, it's impacted all of humanity. By receiving God's free gift to us, we are restored back into relationship. As we yield our life to Christ, he begins the transformation of fixing our broken lives. He begins to heal the woundedness and the emotional scars of our life. He continues to bring restoration to our lives and relationships as he restores us in our relationship with him. That has an impact in all of our relationships because, again, we're transformed. God begins to transform our life. God begins to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives, and it has an impact in every relationship. 
And that's God's greatest desire. Jesus, remember John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, that you may have abundant life. Listen, are you living an abundant life if you're all bound up with bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and just woundedness? I mean, you know, you may have some pockets of your life that are good, but Jesus came to give the fullness of life, abundant life, not just mediocre life. Jesus came to restore our lives. He pours his transforming love into our hearts, which transforms us and gives us a greater desire to allow his love to flow through us to others, to impact other lives. This transformation can only begin by inviting Jesus into your heart. So as we come to the truth and the understanding, one, that God really does love us, that God really does want to have a relationship with us, then we can begin to understand that and begin to do something to restore us back into that place of relationship. That's where it begins. I think that good people are in a dangerous situation because a lot of good people don't think that they need the Lord because they're good. They don't understand that they have broken the law. But what do we read? All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, no matter how good you are. I'd like for you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes. Maybe God is speaking to you today. And, um, he's tugging on your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time. And you've walked away. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building this morning and not receive everything that God has for you. It's a free gift. It's a transforming gift that will change your life. If that's you this morning, and you know God is speaking to your heart, don't resist. Would you slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? No shame in that. God loves you. He wants to bring you to that place of fullness of life. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift of life. We thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in our lives, God. That you would bring healing and restoration and wholeness to every area of our life. God, as we contemplate this Christmas season, Lord, would you help us to be mindful that it's all about Jesus. It's not about all the gifts and all the other stuff. It's all about you. Thank you, Lord. This morning, Chris is going to, to play another song, and, and I want you just to take some time this morning to say, God, is there anything in my heart that, that you need to deal with? Is, is there, maybe there's unforgiveness that I have towards someone or something like that. And, uh, just take that to the Lord. And I'll be up here, if, if you want prayer, if, if you're going through something and, and you really want me to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Let's just take a couple minutes and allow the Lord to speak to us this morning. This morning, as you go from this place, 
I want you to continue to just allow the Lord to speak to you. And just remember the reason for the season is to share the hope and the love of Christ. And allow, allow Christ some time to speak to you during this Christmas season. Try to just set aside a little bit of time where you're not caught up in all the stuff going on. And uh, just continue to share the love of Christ as you go out. And, and you know, say Merry Christmas. It's okay. It's all right. may not be politically correct anymore, but say it anyway. You know, that's the reason for the season is Christ. So don't be intimidated by that. And, and maybe your boldness will help someone else to be bold. But just more importantly, go out and share the love of Christ. Will you do that during this Christmas season? All right. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You're dismissed. Go out and change your world.